There's no better time to become a member of the DSR network. Later this month, we'll be announcing a major media partnership to our ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, bringing you even more insight and analysis than ever before. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, an evening newsletter recapping the day's top stories, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of October, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SPOOKY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SPOOKY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Rothkopf. I'm joined today by Chris Cottonware. How are you doing this morning, Chris? Doing well, thanks. And Riley Fessler, who likes to call this the DSR Daily Doom Scroll. How are you doing, Riley? Not too bad this morning. Characteristically upbeat view of the world. Chris, what's the number one story on your list? So the Republicans are going back to the drawing board to try to pick a House Speaker. This is the third time uh, that they're trying to figure out who the candidate's going to be. Over the weekend, we had, depending on what you've read, eight to ten folks throw their hat in the ring. Um, It seems that Tom Emmer has emerged as a frontrunner, but it also doesn't seem that he has the support of the Freedom Caucus. Um, I have no confidence that this is going to get done today or anytime soon. Uh, I am. I continue to be sort of dismayed over the fact that the likes of Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates are holding our country hostage, um, and that you know the sort of pragmatic Republicans, um, and there are some who are willing to compromise, are all leaving politics, Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, David, on that, but it's it's not a good look. No, no, it's completely dysfunctional. And of the eight or 10 or nine or however many there are, um, doesn't look like any of them have the votes. Uh, what will that lead to? Will it lead them to go back to the idea of a, a, a speaker pro tempore that they empower? Maybe, although there's some strong opposition to that. Will it lead some people ultimately to say, well, we have to work with the Dems and come up with some deal that, you know, half a dozen um, more middle of the road Dems will accept? Don't know. What I do know is that we've never had an experience like this and that this one is not near to over. Of course, because I said that, it'll probably end today. But, you know, I, 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 it, it sure doesn't look like it's near, um, it's near to over. And, and it does look like those Republicans who you refer to as pragmatic are sort of heading for the exit. So I think there's a bigger issue here, and that is can this party survive as it is um, because it's in- increasingly, amazingly, committed to um, 
Trump and Trumpism. And that is increasingly proving to be, um, you know, de- you know, dangerous political territory. Not not to mention dangerous territory for the country uh, in terms of our, you know, democracy. So I, I don't know. There's 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 never been a moment like this, and and frankly, uh, we should all hope that we never see one again like it soon. Riley. Yeah, so a lot of news from China this morning, um, and my top story actually broke just a little bit over an hour ago, which was that General Li Shangfu has been removed from his post as defense minister after two months where he was kind of out of the public eye, which follows the same pattern as Qin Gong, who was the former foreign minister who kind of disappeared from public view and then was removed from his post in July. And both of them were also stripped of their position as state counselors today as well. So another big shakeup in the Chinese leadership structure. Um, Shang Fu was one of the highest commanders of the PLA. So what kind of remains to be seen who his replacement is. They haven't announced anything on that front yet. And no reason was given for his dismissal either. So kind of a lot going on there. Yeah, you kind of wonder if the Republican Party uh, from the U.S. House is advising the Chinese government on how to manage itself, because, you know, this if it, you know, if this were the United States and a new administration came in or was elected to another term and all of a sudden, you know, a few months after that, you know, the, you know, the uh, defense minister and the foreign minister, the secretary of defense and the secretary of state were kicked out and in disgrace and under investigation for crimes. And according to some reports, um, uh, at least one of them is uh, in, you know, in, in prison. Uh, it would be a huge, huge scandal. And on top of all of this, of course, China's got um, some real economic problems. Uh, one of the best observers of China that there is, is Evan Osnos of The New Yorker. Uh, and he's got a new piece out called Age of Malays uh, about China. I strongly encourage everybody to read it because it provides the context for this, um, which is a nation that sort of had the economic wind at its back since roughly 1980, um, doesn't at the moment. And that's 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 potentially a big problem, not just for China, but for the world. Kerr is... Uh, so coming out of Israel this morning, lots of lots of developments. Um, the first is that Hamas released two Israeli hostages, um, but also followed that up by saying that no more hostages would be released until the airstrikes stopped, which were um, in mass last night once again. Um, U.S. has called for or is readying, should it come to this, and I should stress this is sort of emergency planning, but stress uh, planning for an evacuation um, of American citizens, of which there are 600,000 residing uh, in Israel. Macron is in Israel as we speak, um, and has issued a couple of statements, one in that Israel is not alone, um, which is 100% true given the statements from other world leaders. Um, but that he also called for, you know, a relaunch of the Palestinian peace process. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of see what, what plays out here. But again, I am 
the, the big question in my head here is what's Netanyahu's end game? Given your piece a week ago or so on his political, uh, your, your thoughts on his political sort of demise that he would not survive this, you know, what again, what's the end game? Is the end game to capture Hamas leadership? destroy Gaza, you know, I, I, I think, you know, these are all sort of questions that the international community is contemplating, is pushing for ceasefire so that people can get out of the country. Um, but it seems we're on the precipice here of a, of a massive ground attack. And I'm not, again, sure of what the end game in, is here. Well, I don't think anybody knows what the end game is. I think that's the, the the problem to a large extent. I know the U.S. has been pushing the Israelis to say, "Well, what's your plan? What's your plan with Hamas? Uh, what's your metric for success? What's your plan after you defeat Hamas? What's the political uh, mechanism to fill the void that was uh, filled uh, badly by Hamas in Gaza? Uh, what's your plan with the Palestinians long term?" Uh, absent those things, there is no stability, and we are a long way from knowing what those are. Um, uh, Macron also said one other thing that was kind of interesting, which was uh, that the the international forces that have been working together in Syria and northern Iraq to fight ISIS should now be brought to bear against Hamas. You know that that, that they could support the Israelis against Hamas. Uh, this would, of course, instantly escalate this conflict, make it regional. Uh, seems like one of those Macron ideas that he comes up with periodically without having fully uh, thought through. Um, but it's another sign of where, you know, that the you know, world leaders who are engaged in this and well-informed don't know where um, it's going. For Netanyahu, the longer the conflict lasts, the longer he's in office. Um, uh, so there is some incentive for him to have um, a long war here, uh, but the longer the conflict lasts, the longer the likely civilian casualties, uh, and so that could put increasing pressure um, on the Israelis, um, which could could make things more difficult for them and might erode some of their support. Uh, we're going to learn a lot in the next few weeks. I'd say one last thing on this, by the way, apropos of your first point, and that is. Uh, the U.S. has been pressing the Israelis not to go in while there's a chance of getting hostages out. Uh, it seems like Hamas is meeting out the hostages as a way of keeping that alive and forestalling this invasion. Um, and uh, not sure how long that strategy works, um, but uh, 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 thus far it is keeping an invasion that many people thought would start days ago from starting. Riley? Yeah, so my second story, uh, again, relates to China. Um, but this is the current foreign minister, Wang Yi, will be visiting Washington Thursday for a three-day visit. Um, and this kind of comes off the heels of some of those tensions we alluded to yesterday with in the South China Sea with the collision. Um, they're also going to address Israel and Ukraine. So just kind of addressing all the hot button issues. He's going to meet with Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan while he's here. And some of the speculation is that this could be kind of a prelude to a meeting between uh, Xi Jinping 
and Biden at this upcoming Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, which will be in San Francisco. He's not confirmed a visit yet, but that's kind of the discussion swirling around this is this could be a a preview of of that meeting if it comes to pass. I think for our Deep State Radio listeners, we can go a step further than that. Uh, I think the deep belief in Washington is that it is a prelude to this meeting, that Xi Jinping will come. He hasn't been in the United States in a number of years, um, uh, and that he will meet with Biden the last time the two of them met in Bali. Uh was actually a good inflection point for the relationship. It actually brought it a little bit closer together. Unfortunately, it was followed immediately by the balloon incident, which which didn't help. Uh, I think there's a desire on both sides for reasons uh, associated with the ones I mentioned earlier um, to uh, try to stabilize um, uh, this relationship. Uh, but it will remain front and center and one of the signs of that is the administration announced that Kurt Campbell, who was the architect of uh, China policy within the NSC, uh, has now been nominated to be the Deputy Secretary of State. Uh, and that will put somebody who has been deeply involved in these issues for many, many years. I mean, he was the Assistant Secretary of State for East Asia a long time ago um, uh, uh, at uh, uh, an even higher uh, level. Uh, so. I think you can expect more engagement uh, from both sides uh, going forward, barring some incident like the one in, in, in with the Philippines uh, or the one with the balloon derailing things, because I think both sides would like a break for a while. Chris? Uh, my last story is Erdogan signed the protocol for Sweden's accession to NATO, and there was positive reaction. Um, Admiral Stavridis commented this was a, a great win. I saw some other comments about um, the, you know, this was a good foreign policy win for the Biden administration. The story was trending this morning, not necessarily because of, of the signing, but because uh, during a, a Trump speech, uh, he referred to um, Viktor Orban as uh, Turkey's leader. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have a potential president of the United States who doesn't understand who runs what countries. Um, and so, I, I, of all the look details, details, he's got people for that. Orban, Erdogan, Putin, Kim Jong-un. I mean, you could just lump them all together. Well, you know, worse, sorry to interrupt you, but no, but, please. But, 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 but worse on this, and I can make it worse in two moves. Um, one, uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, to give you a sense of how unhappy the Russians are with all this, we've had a series of stories about trans-Baltic uh, cables that have been cut or tampered with from the outside to Sweden, to Finland. Uh, and it's very clear the Russians are doing this. The Russians don't like this at all. The Russians canceled an agreement that they had with Finland, who is now also in this. Why? Because this is a very big deal. Sweden and Finland and NATO strengthens NATO dramatically, adds a huge ab ability to protect from the northern flank uh, was unthinkable a couple of years ago and will be seen as one of the big 
foreign policy breakthroughs of this 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 four year um, uh, period. Having said that, there's a story in Rolling Stone. Don't miss it on how Trump and the people around Trump are currently planning to pull out of NATO if he gets reelected. It's something he wanted to do during his first term. And, uh, you know, some of his secretaries of state, like Mark Esper, who has written about this, said no. And they, you know, they, they pushed back on it. Uh, you know, some of his other senior advisors pushed back on it. But this is not deterring them. And if Trump gets reelected, one of his first moves is going to be to try to pull out of NATO, which would be a disaster that a disaster for Ukraine, a disaster for world security, and would be the happiest day of Vladimir Putin's uh, recent existence, because, of course, NATO is the one bulwark um, uh, blocking him off. I should note, and this is just a footnote, um, uh, that Vivek Ramaswamy uh, also yesterday said, you know, we shouldn't be in NATO. Let's get out of NATO. Um, so this is, you know, this this kind of virus of uh, national security insanity seems to be spreading through this group. I think the other angle of that story, too, um, is that if you can you imagine if President Biden had called Orban the president of Turkey? I mean, it would be nonstop news coverage of is Biden too senile to be the president? Is Biden too old? So, you know, the double standard there is unbelievable. Well, I just listen to Trump these days. You know, I mean, we, we, we endeavor to be objective here. Uh, obviously, you know, we all come from our own, you know, different political backgrounds. But listen to Trump these days. He does not sound like mentally together all the time. And, you know, it's no wonder he's under a lot of stress. But yesterday, another thing that he said was, you know, I have not been indicted. Well, you know, he's been indicted four times <laughs> in four cases for 91 felony counts. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, he said he's not been indicted, you know, and uh, that is pretty close to, you know, if Joe Biden showed up at work with his pants off. But people don't cover this, you know. Yeah. And, and my final story to round out the China coverage is some allegations uh, from the Canadian government and the Canadian Global Affairs Department saying that they had detected what they called a spamouflage campaign, which was a new term to me, but it was this idea that they had detected this bot, massive bot network that were leaving thousands of comments on uh, government officials' accounts, disparaging them, accusing them of crimes and other ethical violations. So I think, you know, on its own, it's already a, a big story, but it kind of comes after this meeting of the Five Eyes intelligence leaders, which was last week, and it was the first public meeting of that group ever. It's the heads of various intelligence agencies, and they had warned about China's technological capacity, their desire to steal technology and advance their own rapidly. So I think those two together kind of paint a picture of um, China trying to bolster its its technological presence online and then with new tech. All I can say is, if you think 2016, the Russians meddled a little bit, they had some guys they paid to show up at rallies, they did a little bit to meddle on the edges of the election, uh, which, by the way, every intelligence agency agrees that they did, just wait until next year. Think about the stakes for Russia in Ukraine with regard to NATO. 
you know, there is a huge incentive for them to be involved in this. Uh, The Chinese have their own incentives and the technologies are just getting better and better and better. Um, You know, we're on the edge of the era where you can use AI so that I could spam you, Riley, differently from the way I spammed Chris. Uh, but you know this, or I could give you disinformation that you might be more inclined to believe, uh, given your patterns of internet use compared to Chris. All that's and deep fakes are going to enter the picture, and it is going to become harder and harder to cut through what's true on the internet. And it isn't going to be helped by Elon Musk getting rid of the filters and the reviews and the you know all the kinds of protections that we've got um, out there. Um, and you know this is going to be a big deal. As we as we go into next year, um, um, and it is not it's not an encouraging deal. If I can throw in one story, I would like to try to throw in in each one of these episodes one story of uh, sort of scientific advancement and good news. Uh, that it, one story that's related to this, and I, I encourage you to turn your attention to the MIT Technology Review, which is an excellent publication, and I follow all of it and all of its. Um, newsletters very closely. Um, there's apparently a, 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 a new technology being developed so that you can poison your content so that AI can't digest it. Um, in other words, it, it becomes a technique to keep um, uh, 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 you know things that you've created from being used, replicated, mimicked, uh, uh, riffed upon. Um, by some algorithm someplace. Uh, so we may be making some progress against some of these disinformation tools, um, uh, but it, it, it won't be in time to, to save us from what will surely be a disinformation circus next year. Um, anyway, uh, that's a lot. Uh, it would be really nice if one of these days I said, hey, Chris, what do we have? And you say, nothing. Nothing happened in the world today. Everything's fine. Um, I'm going to go have a snack. But uh, until then, we'll keep coming back here with these stories. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> <laughs>